This is In Touch City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9. You're listening to In Touch, the Rugby League Hour on City Talk. I'm Lauren Moss and Steve Manning joins me too. We're one week into the World Cup and what a week it's been. Some incredible matches we'll be talking about between now and seven this evening. We're also speaking to RFL Chair Brian Barwick, getting his thoughts about how it's all going and what's going on behind the scenes at the governing body. And Salford Red Devils owner Marwan Kukash talks to us about his views on the Gareth Hawks situation and horse racing too. All will become clear very soon. Also tonight we'll hear from Sam Tompkins, Steve McNamara and Chris Hill as they look ahead to the, towards this Saturday's game with Ireland. So good evening Steve Manning, you've uh, had a very busy week going here, there and everywhere to all the games. Um, first of all, tell me uh, what it's been like, what you've been impressed with so far and is it living up to expectations? Yeah, good evening, everybody. It's been absolutely fantastic. Obviously, you know, I'm the one of the world's greatest sceptics and a little bit sceptic last week with our uh, friends from New Zealand. And I'd just like to say that uh, Andy did bow to me on Sunday. I met him at Warrington. He bowed to you, he like literally. Me. He bowed to me because, remember, I said England would win by eight, so I'll, I'll say it before you remind me. But uh, And I said New Zealand would, uh, Australia would win by eight, didn't I? Yeah, very good. Don't, don't, don't let's, don't let's, don't <laughs> let's go down, don't let's go down there. And uh, the two New Zealand guys, what did they say? If England lose by less than ten, we will bow down to you next time we see you. So I had to remind Andy at the time, because obviously his partner in crime has gone over to uh, Ireland to be involved with the All Blacks. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, if that game would have been 35 minutes each way, we'd have won that. Well, we started off great, didn't we? Um, and then it just fell away from us. Do you think it was concentration? Do you think it was, I don't know, de strength and depth, that sort of thing? I think it was a little bit of uh, concentration. And uh, again, the, the discipline didn't do us any favours, did they? But I think it showed that Australia hadn't played a friendly prior to that game because after 20, 25 minutes, they upped the ante and it was if... You know we've got a game on here, and uh, they certainly, they certainly did up the ante. The disappointing thing was uh, the try on the edge of our time. Everybody knew it was coming at, uh, on, at the ground. You know it took out of the scrum. They go down the blind side, and uh, Billy Slater did what Billy Slater does, and it, it was disappointing going in. But then they go ahead, and then you think, oh, here we go. But fair play, uh, we certainly. Uh, took it to them and those Burgess boys uh, they all put their uh, two penny within especially Sam who's uh, got a one match uh, suspension. Yeah they'll be without Sam uh, for this Saturday's game with Ireland. Sean O'Loughlin coming back in though in place of him which is, is, is fantastic news for us or oh, for England. Sorry am I displaying my allegiances too much here? Yes you are you're doing, <laughs> like, you're doing what you've done all season Lauren um, What Saints fan and an England fan? Duh. Well, how dare I? Uh, but no Locker's coming back in Yeah I think he's, uh, it's great that he's coming back and hopefully can have the influence that he's had in the games that he came back uh, from that team just over Billy and Jill uh, in the cup final and the grand final and I'll not say any more about that because the season's over. What kind of game are you expecting about uh, against Ireland given that they're run out so far? I think Ireland have got nothing to lose and uh, considering they've only been together for 10 days I thought they put up a great performance against Fiji and that was an absolutely superb game the Fiji went in all guns blazing big hits and the crowd really got behind them uh, but Ireland uh, they were in that game up to half-time sort of thing. It looked like they're just going to get back in it, but uh, the Fijians eventually did what they did, and um, it should be a fantastic uh, spectacle watching Ireland against England because we're talking about, obviously, it's pride in the jersey, and the uh, Irish boys will have as much pride as the English boys. Oh, 
let's get our first guest of the evening on now. He popped into the studio earlier this week. You're listening to In Touch on City Talk 105.9 and we're joined in the studio now by RFL Chair Brian Barwick. Good evening, Brian. Thank you for joining us here today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So we're a week into the uh, Rugby League World Cup. Where, where do we start? Fantastic, fantastic advert. How's it been going? How's it fitted into your expectations so far? Well, I think the, the critical thing, I've been around uh, major sports tournaments uh, across a, a range of sports over the last 30 years and I, what I've learned over those years is if you can get a tournament off to a flying start, you've got a real chance. And I think uh, that's what's happened with the Rugby League World Cup. Um, I think the opening ceremony was classy, short and classy, and I think that's great. I think the opening game was uh, a belter. Um, you know, Australia are what they are, a difficult team to play against, a difficult team to beat. But England were in that game right until the death. Obviously, followed in after that was because it was a double header was Wales Italy, which was another cracker. Um, I then uh, changed your clothes and then whizzed up to Warrington to see New Zealand Samoa, which was an absolutely fantastic occasion. Not least, not just on the pitch but off the pitch, the crowd absolutely got behind it, and you really felt they were really thrilled. It was it's something unusual to come to town. The World Cup has come to town. The world's best players come to town and and the Samoans, they got behind the Samoans and uh, I just loved watching the kids as well dancing at half-time. I just thought it was such a heartwarming thing to see. And they, you know, the last two nights uh, I've delivered some uh, fantastic uh, action as well, you know. Um, Fiji Island, an interesting game and of course I am um, Tonga, Scotland. Mm -hmm. Which was uh, nip and tuck, you know. Scotland went in a half time, probably thinking that there was enough uh, space between them and uh, Tonga, but Tonga came back really strong. And of course, the game went down to literally uh, the Hooter on the basis of uh, a video referee decision. So fantastic sport on the field, fantastic feel off the off off it. Uh, the best media coverage i think the sports had for for decades what are you hoping it can be used for as a, as a platform for the sport that we have over here with with super league specifically and all sure. these changes that are coming up how can the, the the world cup serve as a platform to boost that well it certainly can't do anything uh uh other than good uh i think what it has done is engage people in i have spoken to people about rugby league who've never spoken probably about rugby league in their lives uh, they've seen a bit of it they liked what they saw the game lived up to its expectations on Saturday. It was a close game, you know, England were leading, weren't they, for, for a good while. So, uh, yes, of course, we want England to, to win that game, but they came up short, but they only came up short. Um, and in a way, that uh, that gave the tournament lift-off, and I think it gave people who may watch it on a casual basis a, a little bit of a reason to watch it a bit more. And, you know, if any sport, if any subject, forget sport, is in the media enough, it becomes something that people talk about. So, talkability as much as anything else, it's a really good thing to come out this uh, Rugby League World Cup for. Is it, we have five weeks where we are on the sports news agenda in a fairly significant way. Uh, we have a big final at the end of it. We have a big set of semi-finals towards the end of it. Um, so, just in terms of its 
uh, its news value and its newsworthiness, that's really useful to the sport. You talk about talkability there. Unfortunately, in recent weeks in the build-up to the World Cup, there was talkability of a somewhat not-so-positive factor with you know the changes of restructuring and the cancelled EGM. You issued a statement last week saying it was very disappointing that this had happened and there was this discord when we have the World Cup. Can I ask you your views on that now and what state we're at now? Of course you can, and I will ask answer it in a very diplomatic way but the reality of it is um that will those conversations those discussions will continue uh after the world cup everybody was of common view they may not be of a common view about the future shape of of the elite of the game but they were we were all of an absolute common view that we should get behind the rugby league world cup and that's what we're doing they talk about marketing and the way it's you know the rugby league is is portrayed in the media and so on it, you, you mentioned talkability there with the World Cup. Is it something that you would agree with that you know our sport does need more generation for you know for consumers and marketing and that sort of thing? I don't know any others. I don't know any any sport that doesn't need more of it, other than possibly the Premier League, uh, which you know churns its own marketing uh, around because it has such a strong um, news media presence. And so, rugby league's not alone here. Rugby league has just got to learn in a way to uh, to fight its corner. Um, perhaps better than it's done in the past in terms of marketing, and uh, and we will actually. Is that going to be a priority for you as chair? Well, I've I've always said when I came into the to the post that uh, I thought part of my role would be to help the game look outwards rather than sometimes it, it's capable of looking inwards. And in a way, I think this is where this rugby league World Cup has been really important because it is drawing a, um, people who aren't necessarily. Uh, fully engaged with the sport and we need rugby league fans we need sports fans and we need general fans we need everybody and uh, the more we can pick up of the second and the third elements of the three sets of people i've talked about the better the sport will be and that will only come through uh, making sure that we sell our message strongly when i talk sport with people and when i took this post a number of people said, oh, really enjoy watching that <laughs> and um and they pick their way through the games, be it uh, on uh, Sky or be it on the BBC, and, 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 they, and they drop into the sport and enjoy what they see. It's a first-class sport played by first-class athletes in a first-class atmosphere, and we've just got to make sure that that, that message gets out to more people. And, and in a way, um, I'm probably one of the, the right people to try and take that forward, given my background and my experience of what I do and what I've done in, in my... In my uh, inglorious past. Because I know you were quoted of the contacts, but I'd imagine the, the networking, I suppose, from your point of view, is what it's all about with those contacts and other contacts. It is, but also I think it's been really important for me to take a look at the game. You know, um, I think it would be uh, uh, improper of me to walk in and just uh, uh, suggest how things are. But I, I have absolutely enveloped my game, myself in the game in the last since February the 1st. Mm. Uh, I think my contract says I do six days a month. Well, I haven't, spot <laughs> I haven't spotted what month that was, actually, <laughs> because I seem to be doing seven days a week, and that's fine. Um, uh, it's something I'm committed to. It's something I want to do well. It's a sport that deserves that level of dedication, in my view. And I'm having some fun, by the way, as well. You know, it's... it's um, I've, I love sport. I've always loved sport. And I, in terms of rugby league, yes, I'm known to be a football man, and I am a football man. There's no, there's no need to conceal that. That's a fact. 
But I always believe up here, you're either a football man who keeps an eye on the rugby league or a rugby league man who keeps an eye on the football. Mm -hmm. And I was the former, not the latter. So although I made it quite clear I wasn't an expert on the game, I was possibly more of an expert on the game than I let on because I've watched so much of it down the years. I've been involved in it. So I think I saw my first rugby league match in 1966. That's a long time ago. Who was ago. that? Can you remember? I was Liverpool City. I used to go and see Liverpool City play at Notty Ash and I used to go and see Liverpool play one weekend and if the fixtures worked out the, the following weekend when the games were away and people didn't travel that much in those days. Uh, I used to go to Notty Ash Stadium and, um, and, and see Liverpool City play. And then I went to work in the newspapers and I was a rugby league reporter for a while. Then I w went down to London and uh, one of the programmes I worked on was very famously Grandstand and I did a lot of rugby league stuff on that. And so I, I feel um, a real warmth to the game. Yes, we've got some issues to solve and we will solve them. But at the moment, what we should really be doing is, is absolutely... Um, enjoying every moment and every minute of uh, the Rugby League World Cup. Right, well, thank you very much for pleasure. speaking to us, Brian. Absolute pleasure. RFL Chair Brian Barwick there. Well, it's time for a short break now on In Touch, but afterwards we'll be hearing about the Tompkins family dilemma and talking England Island. In Touch, City Talk Rugby League Lowdown, City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to In Touch on City Talk 105.9 with me, Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. Still to come tonight, we'll chat to Salford Red Devils owner Marwan Kukash. But now England's opening World Cup game last Saturday ended in defeat to Australia. This Saturday coming, they'll face Ireland at a packed-out John Smith Stadium in Huddersfield. Now, Ireland lost 32 points to 14 this week in Group A, and England are set to make some changes with Sam Burgess suspended. Sean O'Loughlin's coming back into the fold after his Achilles injury, and James Graham's also included after he was missed out last week. Somewhat controversially, you may remember Steve McNamara walked out of a press conference when he was repeatedly asked about why that was. Anyway, Tom Briscoe is also in the squad, so no room for Lee Mossop or Josh Chan. And coach Steve McNamara says he wants to mix it up a bit. Oh, just some slight adjustments to our group this week. You know, obviously one change is forced upon us with the suspension of Sam Burgess. Uh, just a couple of other slight adjustments. Having a look at another couple of members of our squad uh, this week. I think it suits us uh, to have that consistent selection from Sweet, but with uh, a couple of little tweaks. Tom Briscoe and James Graham in. What will they bring to the to the squad? Oh, a lot. You know, there's. Uh, as I've said all along, for the last couple of weeks, we've got 24 very good players. So I think uh, anybody who gets brought in is going to add some impetus to the team and some freshness to the team. And uh, those two will certainly do that. Do you think Josh Charnley and, and Lee Mossop are hard done by not, not featuring this week? I think at the at the highest level of international rugby league, it's it's fine air sometimes. And <clears throat> Josh, did fine, Josh did fine last week. He's got. A, a little slight shoulder niggle that he's had for a couple of weeks, uh, so what do many have? Uh, and the choice, you know, between between the wingers is is pretty fierce. You know, Tom's an extremely well in, in training, done a lot of extras to get himself to where he's at now. So we'll have a look at Tom this week and uh, Lee Moss up. Yeah, he's um, you know he came on a difficult period in the game for his last week, and he um, you know tried his best to withstand a little bit the Australian barrage and. Uh, but this week, uh, they just decided to go a slightly different way. 
England coach McNamara there. So, Steve Manning, let's talk New Zealand. What about Sonny Bill Williams and his uh, major faux pas in Warrington this weekend, last weekend? Well, there we were last week, uh, salivating about him, etc., etc. The man and, of the uh, hour. We talked about him in some extent. If you want to listen to that, actually, head to citytalk.fm when we interviewed uh, SBW. But uh, slipping, oh dear. I mean, before that, he he got that ball and he just sliced like a, <laughs> a knife through butter, five defenders, and he went over. And instead of just plonking it down or doing a swallow dive under the edges, he went that little bit further. Steve's doing some very good hand gestures here. It's almost like he's sort of reenacting <laughs> it, what happened. And then all of a sudden, he went, he slipped, and every, even media people have humour, even though we're supposed to be serious. But we all laughed, and then it came up on screen. And it's poor face, honestly. Well, it's one of these, isn't it? You know, it's if you if, if you if you do a four part, you know, you, you want that hole to open and swallow you in. And at that moment in time, that's what he wanted. But uh, fair play, he got it. And then he, I think he knocked. He did something, lost the ball again after that. But uh, he's just shown that he's only human. It's been brilliant to watch, though, isn't it? I mean, even SBW making a mistake, but. Uh, the scores that the the way we're even the teams are evenly matched the score lines that are coming out of it it's what we want it's entertaining you know there's people coming into the office here at Radio City that have never been to a rugby league game before and they're saying oh you know I was at, I was at Rochdale the other night it was packed out it was amazing it, it was incredible I think that given everything that has been going on in the last few weeks with the Super League changes and stuff that this is a good chance to sort of refresh people take us back to what really matters and show that this is a sport that we are proud of and we can play and it shouldn't be a secret. I think you're right there. You know, we say ourselves, it's a bit biggest kept secret. You know, we, we are into, we are passionate about the game, and it's obviously driving that passion out, out, out outside the studio to people in Merseyside, Liverpool, all our demographic in Wales, etc. Just letting them know that it's there, and you know, even if they only just catch this by by chance, you know, that what we're talking about. What, what are they about? What are they thinking about? Oh, and rugby league. What's this rugby league World Cup? Now, the beauty of it is what they did this time instead of uh, in 2000, the opening game was England versus Australia. It was under a closed roof, great conditions, great atmosphere, and that's what they needed. Because obviously, on the terrestrial station, all the England games are being shown. You've got to have a satellite system for the others. So if you watch England and you think that's good, you might just have a look at your paper or go on your computer mm. and that. Oh, I'll go to that, I'll go to that. And I think that's been characterised by the gates that we've had at the game so far. Record crowd stadium record at, 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 at Spotland. Uh, a record crowd since 1994 at, uh, at Workington. And the speckies are, you know, they're responding to it. And the games that have come, what they've seen, and now the games that are coming up, you think, well, we're going to have, fu- you know, full hours of a lot of games as well. We've already got a full house when England play Ireland this weekend. And I just hope it's a similar story when we head down to Wembley. Well, they reckon that uh, the ticket sales are going very well, and it's like the domino effect, isn't it? You know, that that's going to be, what, four weeks' time sort of thing. Now, obviously, the tickets are fairly priced. The only problem is it's, it's getting down to London, isn't it? And it's same with getting down to Cardiff. But the tickets are really well priced, and uh, apparently there's a lot of people, it's their first time at going to a rugby league game. They've never been to a rugby league game, and those are the people that we've got to wait it's the people down there that we want to be targeting as well that wouldn't be going to Wembley to watch a rugby game, even if it was the Challenge Cup, that are going now because it's at Wembley. You're right. I mean, obviously, with the, what you're saying about, as it were, London down south, I mean, what it needs to do is capture the imagination of people in London because when we look to next season and whatever might happen after the World Cup, we've got the, London, no, Bronco, we've got the London Broncos or no mm. London Broncos because 
all the majority of the stars that have gone, obviously there's a couple gone to uh, Wigan Warriors, two, two really class players. But uh, it's he's shunning all, all the players now. Is he then going to, all right, you know, if we get relegated, we get relegated and I'm going to play with the kids now. I know a famous uh, person who played for Liverpool said you can't win anything with kids. But the bottom line is that uh, at rugby league, you've got to have that experience and you've still got to be a good player. It's not a, You can't have a journeyman playing in Super League anymore. They are fit athletes and you can have... I know they've got a great academy system at London. They, uh, they did Wigan Warriors earlier on this season, but you've got to have some stability. You can't play Super League next season and having 50, 60 points racked up. It does nothing for that team and it does nothing for the image of what we want to produce outside. Okay, well, for one family, this Saturday has been a real drama. The Tompkins lot have had to choose between two brothers, Sam and Joel. Joel's been handed his test debut in the other code. We don't talk about that too much here on In Touch, but it is the QB International against Australia at Twickenham. And Tompkins is in making his union test debut as centre. Sam says he's been given the big E. It is a nice dilemma to have, but they've um, they've all sold me out this week. Everyone's everyone's going down to Twickenham. I think it's the it's the first game I can ever remember where I've got no family coming watching. But I think there's you know there's good reason for it. Billy, no mates then. Yeah, there is. I'm trying to you know ring all my mates, trying to get someone come and watch, but I'm struggling. So what about when uh, Joel's playing for Saracens and you've been playing for Wigan? What normally happens with, with, with you know with your parents? Is it do they usually share those duties in terms of watching you both? Um, no, well, they'd, a lot of the time they'd watch us both. They'd they'd come on a Friday to watch me at Wigan, and then you know jump on the train or whatever. Or you know my, my mum might watch me and, and dad watch Joel. So there's there, there's always someone you know at, at both of our games. But yeah, this week it's um, they're all done at Twickenham. And how proud are you for for Joel? I'm massively proud. I think what he's what he's done to go over to rugby union, um, which isn't an easy thing to do, and uh, and you know and go and excel and, and be starting against the Aussies at Twickenham. It's you know it's amazing he's done it in such a short time. Have you been in contact with him this week? Yeah, I spoke to him this week. He was he was um, you know saying he was a little bit bit nervous and, and hoping he'd get the get the go ahead. But he's um, he is going to be playing now, so you know I think it's a, a bit of relief now. He can he can concentrate on Saturday. And I guess it's a shame there's a clash because I guess you'd like to have been there as well. Yeah, I would have. I would have loved to love to be there. But you know, as as the fixtures have fell, we've got a big job on our own hands as well um, against Ireland. So you know, I'm, I'm gutted I can't be there. But I'll I'll sky plus it and, and watch it when I get back. How big is this game against Ireland? I think it's massive for us. Um, you know, it's it's another another win that we need. I think you know Ireland. Um, probably didn't play as well as they could have done in their game on Monday night against Fiji, and, and they'll be looking to you know right a few wrongs. And you know the the difference in our performance from the game against Italy to the game against Australia, and um, they'll they'll sort of be looking to do something similar. So we know they'll be a lot better than they were on Monday night. There were still signs of frustration after that game against Australia. They were there for the beating. Where do you think we can improve? Um, there's, there's a few areas, but I think the the main thing to take from it is positives. That you know we pushed them, um, we pushed them pretty close, and we probably gave them a little bit too much. Um, a few piggybacks up the field with penalties and, and a few few errors, but you know we're, we're going to learn from that, and you know hopefully we'll meet them again at some point in this competition. What did you gain from the experience? Were the Aussies giving you a little bit on the pitch? No, no, just just normal. Um, you know, it was a great great experience playing there. You know, Millennium Stadium is probably the, the best play, the best place I've ever played at, and um, you know to have the roof on, um, you know, a, a massive crowd playing for England. It was a it was a huge occasion. Just a, a shame we didn't come away with the win. I know we've got some group games to come, but we want another crack at the Aussies, don't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, they're the benchmark for a, a international rugby league, and and we know that if we're gonna, you know. Um, 
shock a few people who've got to perform against them and get a win. Um, there's a long way to go and, and some, some games to win before we get another go at them anyway. Warrington's Chris Hill is still in the side for the game this Saturday coming and he insists no one is feeling too down about the Australian defeat. Yeah, there's, there's still a bit of a buzz in the camp. Like you say, it was a big effort from what we produced against against Italy. But I think we could have gone a we could have gone a bit better. And I think we I think we lost the game rather than Australia winning it off us. It was like, um, penalties and giving a bit too much ball over um, at the back end of each half. I think that's what did us. Did you feel comfortable out there in, in those surroundings? This is the first opportunity you had against the best players in the world. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good. But you've got obviously we've got quality players anyway in our in our camp, so we weren't too bothered about the Aussies. But no, it, it was a like I said, it was a massive effort. But I think we could have gone a step further and actually put a, a big marker down in a competition. Like the offload, was that part of your game to make sure you were looking to offload the ball at every opportunity? Yeah, it's, it's, you have to get something different against obviously the best players in the world. Like you say, it's, um, we need to create different gaps and different opportunities, and I think that was one of the ways we could have we could have got to them a bit more, maybe a few more offloads. How do you think we're going to respond this week? Yeah, it's going to be a massive test. Um, obviously, Ireland lost last night, so they're, they're fighting for their position in the competition as well. So as we yeah. and against a, a packed out crowd, it's going to be it's going to be something special, and it's going to be a real tough game. I know some of the boys watched the game against um, the Fiji game last night with Ireland. What, what did you make of uh, Ireland? Yeah, really, really good. I thought um, in patches they played pretty well, and they've got a lot of a lot of Super League experience. So we're going to have to be wary of that and and play our own game again. Like, but we need to improve again from the Australia game. A lot of momentum in this tournament. It's, it's really taken off around the country. There's a, there's a lot of support for England, but for rugby league in general, it's great to see. It has. It's brilliant. Yeah, I think I watched the one at uh, New Zealand small at the Hallowell Jones. And everyone was saying it was the best best game ever played at the Hallowell Jones, and there was seen a real buzz. And no, it, it, that's good for the game. And obviously, it's, it's game press coverage everywhere now. So, no, we need to take that momentum and, and build our game as a whole. And another full house this week at, at the John Smiths. Great venue when it's full. It, sh- it should be an exciting game. Yeah, it should. It should be rocking, and hopefully um, we, we we produce another a good performance. But we'll go on better. And England can win. Yeah, definitely without a doubt. And still sticking with Warrington for a moment longer this week, they announced a four-year record four-year sponsorship deal with Emirates. They've become the official airline and main sponsor of the club and the team. And chief exec of the Wolves, Andy Gatcliffe, has told Steve it's a major step forward for them. Well, you know, sponsorship doesn't fall into your lap. You've got to work hard Mm -hmm. to attain it. And we've started a relationship with uh, Emirates back in 2008 and we've steadily built on it, built on it. But what we have done, we've we've shown them we can deliver. It's not a one-way street, give us some money, please. You know, we have to prove ourselves back. And we always try and over-deliver because that's the way we operate. But if you over-deliver, you usually get something else. And that's proven to be the case here. So to have Fly Emirates, Emirates is a global, international partner on our shirts for the next four years is a remarkable achievement. We're absolutely over the moon. It's the biggest deal we've ever done and we're absolutely delighted, you can imagine. But it raises the profile of the club, but it also raises the profile of all of us in Super League and the RFL total group. It has to do, it will do, and it attracts other people in. So when we've actually gone to our other sponsors on the kit and other sponsors around the ground and said, this is what's going to be happening, they got really excited by this and it just kind of raises the stakes for them as well. And more people want to come knocking on the door and talk to us as a result of this, which is tremendous, it really is. It's time for another quick break now on City Talk, but afterwards we'll be joined on the line by Salford Red Devils owner Dr. Marwan Kukash. In touch, in touch on City Talk 105.9.
in touch the Rugby League Hour with myself, Lauren Moss, and Steve Manning with you till 7 on City Talk 105.9. Before the break, we heard from Sam Tompkins, Steve McNamara, Warrington owner Andy Gatcliffe, and RFL chair Brian Barwick. If you missed any of that, the show will be available to listen to again tomorrow on the City Talk website, or you can download it from iTunes. We're joined on the line now on City Talk 105.9 by Salford Red Devils owner Dr. Marwan Kukash, or the Mad Doctor as he asked us to call him, or said we could call him when he came into the show a couple of weeks ago. Evening, Marwan. How's it going? Oh, great, Lauren. How are you? Very well, thank you. And you're, uh, you're heading off to Australia because uh, your horse is running in the Melbourne Cup next week. Absolutely, yes. I'm, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, this is the third visit, and it's Mount Athos's uh, second visit. Um, uh, we went there last year, and uh, he was the unluckiest loser in the race. What are his hopes this year? You've got high hopes for him, haven't you? We do. And, um, look, it's, uh, it, it is a big field. On paper, he's probably one of the best horses in the race. Uh, and anything could happen in a big race. You know, when you have 24 horses running out the track, uh, you need a bit of luck in running. But uh, I'd rather on him than any other horse in the race. Well, we'll be keeping a close eye on him when the race uh, is, uh, what is it, Monday, Tuesday? It's Tuesday, Tuesday morning. I think it will be around 4 or 5 o'clock UK time. Good. It would be great, you know, for him to win and to become the first British horse to have won the Cup. Out of interest, how do you get the horse over there? Uh, it flies in comfort. Uh, <laughs> expensive return ticket, a lot more <laughs> than a human's bay. It takes about 30 hours from home to home, from door to door. So, talking rugby league, you're heading off to Australia. You're going to be missing going to, to some of the games in person, but I'm sure you'll, you'll be catching up on it when you're over there. How are you enjoying it so far, Marwan? I'm loving it, and it, it's been a great success so far. And it shows what can be done in the sport and for the sport if people put puts their mind at it. You know, it, it's been attracting uh, huge crowds, well, huge crowds relative to rugby league games here, uh, TV audiences, and you know, it shows the potential of the game. And does that excite you for, you know, what's, does, to, what's to come so ahead next owner, year? As an owner of one of the Super League clubs, it's it's great to see, that, yeah, there is potential. I've always talked about the potential, and it's there for people to see. Provided you have the right product and you package it right, you can attract a lot more new fans to the game. I mean, let's face it, learn, right? Twelve months ago, I knew nothing about rugby. Some people who still that I don't know much about it, but for sure... I'm addicted to the sport. You know, apart from being an owner, I really enjoy the skills of the sport. Following you on Twitter to see that your views being outspoken and interacting with the fans as well. I mean, yeah, I interact with the fans because, again, as I'm, like I said before, you know, I'm hoping to to make a difference in the game and uh, 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 to make a difference. And I need to listen to people's views uh, in order to, you know, to the fans, if you, if you as an order to mend them. So tell me, because um, I spoke to Sonny Bill Williams last week and I asked him if he would ever be tempted by a move to Super League. There were some reports saying that uh, Salford would be interested in him. Have you seen anybody in the World Cup that you think, I want them at my team? Yeah, I mean, just to be fair, uh, respectful to them, of course there is a number of them. I'm not going to name uh, name them, but there's also a number of people or players I'm looking at when I go to Australia. Oh, what, this, you know, I'm meeting a, enough, a, quite a few people there. And uh, when I come back, I'm hoping to catch up with, when I come back next week from Australia, I'm hoping to catch up with a few of the players who are on show in the World Cup. Mm, we definitely have a shopping list. <laughs> Brian 
Nobel that's uh, checking them now. And then when I come back, hopefully, you know, we will have identified one or two for the future. And one of your players that isn't in the World Cup got dropped last week because of the, the fallout of missing the training session with the swimming at Gaz Hock. I, I know he's spoken publicly saying he wasn't on his own in what went on after that Italy defeat. And you've uh-huh. publicly defended him. Uh, how's he doing now? And you just can you just tell us your views on that whole situation, Marwan? Well, I, I was very disappointed. First of all, I mean, he shouldn't have gone drinking, right? But he wasn't the only one. Eight others went, I believe, eight or six. I don't know the exact number. But the handling of the whole episode was terrible. I mean, as and you would have thought the England management team would have at least contacted me on the Sunday before it, they made it public. I only heard about it through the media. Mm. So that's one, you know, that's not the way you handle things. Secondly, why is Gaz the only one? I mean, all right, he was drinking and he missed swimming, but surely the bigger crime is to gone drinking. But he was not the only one. So what happened to the others? Why is it only Gaz Hawk that's been singled out? What, what's he said about that? Well, he's extremely disappointed. And I'm disappointed for him because I strongly believe Gaz Hawk uh, turned the corner by signing to us, has turned the corner, the corner, and he really wants just to play, to do his best for country and club. Now, I can't believe that England being denied the opportunity to play one of the best second drawers in the world. I said it before, I'll say it again. Australia must be so delighted to have seen his name not on the team sheet. He's one of our best players. Have the England camp given you any sort of explanation? Have you been in contact with them over it? I've not been in contact with them. They have not, you know, I mean, publicly asked for an explanation. But I still have not received an explanation. I I think they owe an explanation to Gareth Hawke. Because Gareth Hawke is the one who is more disappointed than me. Yeah. I'm disappointed for him. And I'm also disappointed for the number of England fans who wanted to see him play for England. When we when I saw him play against Italy at our stadium, he was man of the match. He was the he showed more passion and pride in wearing the England jersey than anyone else. Do you think this will make him more determined next season playing for yourselves? Absolutely. You know, look, I've said it before, past is past. We shouldn't have this thing about guys Hawk being this and that because he's done it before. People should be allowed a second chance. And this is his second chance. And what he showed for, uh, showed me so far, I'm extremely happy. I know his attitude is right. Mentally, he's right. And I'm glad he's on our side, not on anybody else's side. Well, thank you very much, Marwan. Thanks for speaking to us. Safe trip to Australia and good luck with Mount Athos in the Melbourne Cup. And we'll speak to you very soon on City Talk. Thank you very much. We're running out of time now on City Talk 105.9, coming up to 7 o'clock, but taking a quick look again at the fixtures this weekend. You've got England, Ireland, Australia, Fiji. Um, what what you thought, Steve? Who's coming out on top? Well, I think it'll be England and I think it'll be Australia, but they should both be great watches because uh, it's all about uh, territorial boundaries. And I mean, watch Fiji on Monday, just watching them go in at alpha leather at the Australians. They might rattle them. But you've got to tip, you've got to think that the Australians have, have they've, they've done the main thing they've won the main, they've won they've won the matches to get them to the final and that's no disrespect with who they've got coming up. What about New Zealand and France though? 
that should be one heck of a game. That I think that could be closer than everyone's going to anticipate, you know. Well, the reckon there's a, a full house at Avignon and uh, 14,000 plus. You've, you've got to fancy New Zealand. And uh, from a France point of view, it's about damage limitation of how many points they concede because of uh, making sure that they're getting the qualification as high as they can. The higher they are, obviously, out of the three that, four qual- that qualify, the better they will be. I mean, they could still get knocked out, but uh, that should be fantastic. And there will be a full house there. And they reckon there's a full house at their third game. And when you look at Wales and the USA, that's a tricky one, I think, to cause some kind of scoreline there. What do you think? Well, Wales have got to win to have a chance of uh, getting through to the quarterfinals after that defeat against Italy, which uh, I suppose when it was uh, put on the fixture list, everybody thought it would be a gimme. But I don't think they realised that there were going to be uh, the majority of the players coming from the NRL. And those NRL players, including Anthony Flank, well, Frankie from St. Helen showed what a good player is. So, uh, But the USA shocked everyone earlier. Well, they did, and uh, they'd had no practice. They'd had a 50-hour travel to get over there. So... Uh, they're not going to lie down, are they? It should, it should be a cracking game, but, uh, you know, I, I, I can't see them doing it. Steve, thanks for joining us at the top of the tower tonight. Next week, we will be coming from the Fly in the Loaf, a rugby league pub on Hardman Street in Liverpool City Centre. A Saints rugby league pub, no less. Well, good night. Thanks very much for joining us tonight and enjoy wherever you're heading this coming week. This is In Touch, City Talk's Rugby League Lowdown with Lauren Moss and Steve Manning. City Talk 105.9.